Hey everybody, this is Pat Abendroth. Welcome to The Pactum. This is episode 28. We're going to be talking about church shopping. Church shopping. And I'm joined together with my co-host, fearless co-host, Mike Grimes. Mike, tell me something good. Tell you something good. Hey, I had I have a pie at my house. A pie? Listen, I'm, okay, that might not sound good to anybody, <laughs> but we <laughs> the other day... I desperately all of a sudden wanted pie. I have a pie at my house. Some of some of the Pactum merch, that's just what it's going to say. I have <laughs> a, a pie, pie at my, my house. house. There's deep I'm, theological been, significance and you. meaning. Hey, I have a pie at I my house. I have a pie at my house. But I, I wanted pie so bad, and then I totally forgot about how bad I wanted pie. And then <laughs> yesterday, Angie bought me a pie because she's awesome like that. So. so what kind of pie would Angie buy for you if she's awesome like that? Uh, she Well, she bought banana cream because that's all they had for choice. So Oh, like a fresh pie, frozen pie, Sara Lee, it's Stouffer's a, like Choice. like a fresh one. Fresh one, yeah. Nicely done. Yeah, she... When She's I was in college, I had a roommate, Steve Thompson. He would just go buy French silk pies at Village oh, Inn. Yeah. He would eat the whole thing. What? Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. That's so, wild. Yep. Very strange. That's wild. I have a pie. I, you know, my mom was like a, a pie maker. I love my yeah. mom's pies. Oh, the only better pies are my wife's pies. Mm. So she, she does makes make great dessert. She cuts them out like by hand, the little leaves and things like that that go on top of the, I don't know if, what kind of pie it is. Apple, cranberry. She's going to be mad at me for yeah, not knowing what it. kind it is. Yep. But they're works of art. So I'm yeah. a pie fan as well. A little uh, warm it up in the microwave. Mm. You put ice cream on it? out of the oven. Oh, some vanilla bean ice cream. Ooh. Why do we always talk about food and drink? I don't know. <sighs> Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we yes. have a theological yep. spin yep. we can put go. on it. So we're go. all good on the pactum. That's right. What book are you holding your hand over there? I have this book called The Gospel Mystery of Sanctification. By Walter Marshall, uh-huh. and I. This is uh, it's in my hot little hands because it's a new edition. Yeah. It's not a new book written in the 1600s, but it just came out um, by let's see, Reformation Heritage Books. Yep. And we're going to use this for theology for breakfast, our men's group here at Omaha Bible Church in the fall. I've read it before, but on Kindle, and I just love a nice new book. I can oh, yeah. hold it in my hand and. Doesn't really smell very good, but I kind of like it. I'm I like excited the about the book. book. I love it. That's very great. excited. And if I recall correctly, Marshall was raised under the theology of Richard Baxter, uh, the neonomian mm-hmm. who we're no friend of, right. the anti-reformed pastor, and uh, and it really affected him in a negative way. His assurance because Baxter is so confusing about justification, and so Marshall matures and grows up theologically, understands the Bible more clearly, and responds. So looking forward, maybe we'll do an episode on it sometime. Yeah. Gospel, mystery of sanctification. Uh, Legan Duncan writes a little blurb on the back. If you are reformed and want to know how to preach a robust biblical doctrine of growth and grace in the Christian life that is gospel-shaped, spirit-empowered, and Christ-centered, and that does not denigrate the third use of the law, then Marshall is your man, and gospel mystery is your book. Hmm. I like that blurb. Makes me want to read it. Yeah, it does. I was saying. That's good. Stay tuned for a future episode of the Pactum. Maybe it'll be episode 999. 999. Man. Well, we are on episode 28, as you mentioned I, I think that's pretty legit. That I'm pretty happy good. about that. I mean, that's wild to think about. 28 episodes, and it's on church shopping. Church shopping? Church Who came shopping. up with that title anyway? I think you did. Okay. You love okay. shopping, don't you? That's why. <laughs> well, that is actually true. Yeah? No, actually, this, this past Sunday, I was greeting new people, greeting different people after the services, as I usually would before and after the services. And I typically ask new people, I say, so what brings you here today? Mm -hmm. 
And you know as well as I do, you hear lots of interesting answers. Yes, so you do. people think they're the first ones to ever say, my car. My car, yeah. <laughs> I got two- that one two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> my two feet, my wife. My- so I like hearing because there's all kinds of answers. The, the Lord brought me here. The mm-hmm. Spirit brought me. My wife brought me. I have friends who are members. Uh, so anyway, um, but oftentimes, even if they don't use this actual label, though they did this past Sunday, I met some nice new people, and they said, we're here church shopping. Hmm. So the episode is called Church Shopping, even though we're not only talking about that, right. and I think yep. it has a negative connotation, but there's a time and place where you need to find a new church. Maybe you're moving, yep. or maybe you need to find a new church because there's something very wrong at the church where you have been, mm. or maybe you're church shopping and you shouldn't be church right. shopping. Yep. We want to talk about the significance of the church, what the church is, why it's so important, what the church is supposed to do, yep. what the church isn't supposed to do. So Ecclesiology 101 a little bit. Yep. So church shopping and such. Well, maybe we even start by talking a little bit about what makes the church so important as we're thinking about church shopping and the need for people to find a good church and to be a part of a good church, what even makes the church so important? What comes to my mind right away, as I'm sure it comes to your mind, because we are both mind readers, Yes, uh, we, ha- we do have that spiritual gift yep. that isn't a spiritual gift, <laughs> but we have to start with the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son, our great Savior, our mediator, the one and only one who was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he said, I will build my church. Mm. So what makes it important is the obvious from Captain Obvious. Mm -hmm. What makes it obvious is it's his church, so it belongs to him. And not only that, he promised to build it. And so, and that nothing could stop it from happening, not even death itself. So we probably don't think about that enough. Mm. Yeah. So the church belongs to Christ, and he's building it. We never want to say we're building his church. Only people who are shallow-minded would say that. We want to be a part of the Lord's work and used by him, but it really is important. Or we can think of other passages in the New Testament that say things like, the church is the pillar and the support of the truth. And my understanding of that is it promotes the truth, it upholds the truth, but also defends the truth. Right, yep. And the truth in particular, I think the way Paul often uses it, is not just truth in a generic sense, but it's the truth about the gospel, yeah. the truth about the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So, And where else would you go as a Christian to have someone to link arms with to promote and defend the gospel? I mean, you're going to go to the church where there are other like-minded believers that you can join side by side, promoting, advancing the gospel, defending the gospel. I love that uh, Philippians 1 text yeah. that you preached on not long ago. Yes, yeah. Standing firm in one spirit, uh, striving together striving for together. the faith yeah. of the gospel. Yeah. It's, it's tied to the church. Right. We, we like to say sometimes, or we used to, uh, it's God's plan A for gospel ministry, yeah. and yeah. why not be a part of God's plan A for gospel ministry? There are other texts in in the church. Leaders are to keep watch over our souls. Uh, there's no other organization on planet Earth that's been designated by God to be a, a soul watching, soul caring kind of context. Yeah. So I I don't know about you, Mike, but I haven't always loved the church, but yeah. I love the church, and I love the church now, and I love it more and more the more I read the Bible, the more I see how good the Good Shepherd is. Yeah. Uh, who's Lord of the church? Uh, no perfect church, no perfect Christians, but we have a perfect Savior. Yeah. And so it's 
it's really, really, I, I don't know how we can overstate the significance of the church in the world uh, yeah. because it belongs to Christ. He's building it. That's where we want to be. It's a safe place, if you will, mm. because it's where we receive or should receive sound doctrine. Yeah. He uses that word for healthy, that hypodermic kind of word, if, if I recall correctly, uh, in Titus. We want to have healthy teaching where it's, uh, the truth is protected, the truth, truth is defended. Yeah. Well, Pat, you're not saying that all churches are good, are I'm, you? I'm not. No. I'm not. What, what do you think I'm trying to imply here? Well, I just I want to be clear. Uh, we want to be clear that we're not saying that just because it has church in the name, it's a place you should go, right? I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I just had an outburst of anger. I'm right. not really sure why. So, I mean, because we know there are not all not all churches are good churches. We see that even in the Bible, uh, thinking of the Church of Laodicea, um, and you know. There are things that we need to be looking for in churches as we're going to churches and maybe church shopping. Uh, What are maybe some essentials for the church? What are things that are uber important for the church? Yeah. So essentials for the church, it is important that we talk about those things. I suppose we could just start thinking up things on our own, but it's a well-worn path. Uh, There are some basics that make up the church, the marks of a church. And if we want to speak like Christians who've gone before us, we would say, well, the church has the right preaching Mm -hmm. of the word of God. And so we're keeping it really simple. We can elaborate on that, but the right preaching of the word of God and the right administration of the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. And then we would want to add to that there is accountability, there is church discipline. Right. Those are things we talked about in episode 16 on ordinary means. Ordinary means. Yep. Yeah. So check that one out. And so it's it's really quite simple. It's really quite lean. It doesn't mean there aren't other things because there are other things. Sure. Yeah. But those really have been key. They're really basic. And if we don't have those things, it's probably safe to say we don't have a biblical church. Right. We don't have a Christ honoring church. Now we could, we could go further into this and maybe we won't in this episode, but just to tip the hat to the right preaching of the word of mm-hmm. God. Yeah. So we're not offering the wisdom of human beings. We're not offering just any old kind of chapter and verse, uh, Bible reading, even though Bible reading is important. Uh, we're explaining the Bible in a way that is Christian, mm-hmm. uh, therefore centers on the redemptive work of Christ. So we definitely could talk about the details there, but speaking from a 30,000 foot level, uh, we definitely want to say the right preaching of the word of God, the right administration of the sacraments uh, and accountability church discipline. Uh, Those really are the essentials. And then we start building from there. We have one another's, we have spiritual gifts being used. Uh, We're involved in the great commission, making disciples, but all, it all seems to uh, come back to these basic realities. Yeah. So we're saying if you're looking or if you're shopping for a church that you want to make sure that those essential elements are in place. If you go and there is not the right preaching of the word of God, then that's not a great place to be. Right? Uh, it's not a great place to be. I met someone this past Sunday, a very kind, generous person, uh, and he said that he'd not heard biblical exposition. And I can't remember now, I don't want to quote him, but it was like for months and months and months and months. And I, I, I he was being nice and complimentary mm-hmm. and I was encouraged. And I said, you know, wh- where have you, where have you been? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You've been on an Island or <laughs> where have you been? And uh, he offered a, a nuanced answer, which I appreciated, but we, we, we don't have church if we don't have preaching Christ, if right. we don't have preaching the Bible, even in a Christ centered way, as well as these other things. Yeah. I do think confessions are helpful. We, uh, 
say this quite often, because in historic Reformed Protestant confessions, these things and related things are articulated right. and emphasized and unpacked a bit more, but we're just trying to give the basic overview. Yeah, Mike, I think it's kind of strange if you're new to the Bible or new to Christianity or new to serious-minded biblical reform type of Christianity to think in terms of, I have to find these things in a church mm. or I just can't settle. Yeah. And to, to include something like discipline would yeah. have blew my mind for the longest time for because sure, I yeah. didn't know about Matthew 18. I didn't know about other related texts, right. but these are the things that are, are basic things you need to have to have a healthy church. I suppose we should say this episode is not designed to be a critique of churches. It's not designed to discourage or critique pastors. Right. This, this episode yeah. is designed to help believers think clearly so that you stay in your local church and yeah. thrive. Yep. Yep. Uh, or if you're moving, maybe it can help you find a, a new place. Or if you need a truly biblical church, that'll help you find one. Uh, or if you are a pastor seeking encouragement and yep. you're doing these basic things and you and your other leaders are doing these basic things, we want to say, great job. May the Lord bless you and multiply your tribe. Yeah. So that's that's what we're trying to do here. It's meant to be edifying. Um, we don't have all of the answers, but we know that Jesus does. Yep. And these aren't things that we should be trying to be creative about because it's water that's well under the bridge. Yeah. So we're thinking essentials, the right preaching of the Word of God, the right administration of the sacraments, Lord's Supper and baptism, and then we would add to that discipline. So those are essential pieces to the church. What are some non-essentials or maybe some things that aren't of a huge priority in a church? I think the worst one maybe of all, maybe it's not that it's not essential, but maybe drives me crazy. Uh, and it would be when we're looking for a church where there's a lot of people or even some people who are just like me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's such a heartbreaker as a pastor. Yeah. If you're looking for a church where there are other people who are just like you, how about looking for people who are more spiritually mature than you. Sure. Yeah. So you can learn from them because that's part of the deal or looking for a church where there are people who are both more mature and less mature. So you could be helping yeah. and serving in the name of Christ. Uh, it, I, I don't, I don't even know. I, I have apoplexy just yeah. thinking about this one, but it's a big one. And even if it goes unstated, so many times people are looking for other people who are the exact same place in life, same stage in life. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But, I, I, it's so myopic. It's so self-centered yeah. to think I need to find people who are just like me and my wife, let's say if I happen to be married or if I'm single who are single, just like me. Yep, yep. And it's all about something that is a biblical and the priorities get, get, get to be wrong. Yeah. Well, if, and that's, that's looking for like a social club or something to belong to rather than a church. Which I think I want to get to those very things because there's nothing wrong with, in right. fact, I would argue a social club where you can find people who are maybe like you, yep. maybe not just like you, well, right. but, but that's actually a good and fine thing. Yep. That's just not what a, what makes up a biblical church. Right. right. So, and we're, we're going to get into that in a little while, but yeah. it really is important. We should also talk about other things like style mm -hmm. yeah. because even if we say we have no style, which sounds kind of funny, everyone has a style. Yes. Yeah. So I remember when we were having our, the church building built you know, you want it to be, you know, transcendent and have it mm -hmm. never be dated. And, you know, the architects just laugh at that because yeah. 
everything is tied to some kind of time frame. Sure. Uh, everything has a style. So the, the same is true in churches. Uh, if there, some are going to be more traditional in their style, some are going to be less traditional in their style. We could talk about style of music. Yep. We could yep. talk about style of liturgy. I would never make it about that, even though I have strong feelings, Ooh, feelings. and desires. Um, it can't be about that. It can't be about so many of those things that the Bible doesn't say the church has to be. Right. And then the list could go on and on. We could talk about, well, does the, does the church offer parenting classes? Does the church offer marriage classes? Does it offer finance classes? Does it offer, you know, fitness classes? No. The, the list could go on and on. I could use that. And some of, the, <laughs> some of these things might be fine. And the Bible might have something to say about some of these things. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it may not have a lot to say about some of these things because it's in a different category. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so let's go ahead and get a financial advisor because it's fine to do that and they don't have to be Trinitarian right. to yeah. be smart. Yeah. But now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Right. So it, it's not, those are non-priorities. I'm thankful that we have coffee here on Sunday mornings and it's pretty decent. Yep. It is. Um, and that's an understatement. So I'm thankful for, for <laughs> things like that. I'm, I'm thankful we have good Sunday school classes for children and adults, for youth programs, events, activities that the list could go on and on about good things that we have or can have as a church, Right. Yeah. but they're the not marks of a biblical church. Right. You know, as Pat, as we're talking about these non-priorities that churches have, you see this all the time uh, in Christianity and evangelicalism now, where you know churches are expanding their mission, maybe, or they're trying to take their focus uh, and expand it so they can cover all these different areas of life or things that might appeal to you, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. that appeals to somebody else. But what inevitably happens uh, is that when you expand that mission, that focus is you're actually losing your focus, and that would be to focus on the gospel, the the redemption of God's people in the church, and what the church is called to, the actual mission of the church. So what happens is churches just try to meet all of your needs as an individual, meet all your perceived needs, maybe we should say, as an individual. I think you're nailing it. And then they've lost complete focus on the gospel. What do we need well, we need the gospel. And you say, well, yeah, okay, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm here for church. I'm here for some friends. I'm here for some fun. Meet my needs. Well, your need doesn't change. Your need is the gospel day in and day out. It's that cycle in the Christian life of guilt, grace, gratitude that just happens over and over again. And so when the church loses focus from the gospel, from redemption, from Christ, and tries to expand to all these other places, it's a, it's a bad deal. So I think we're purposely now saying no to lots of good things, not uh-huh. because we're mean-spirited, though sometimes we are. Right. Yep. We're saying no to lots of good things because there are other organizations, other individuals, maybe even other roles that we play outside sure. of church ministry where those things can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Because, but, but if, if the church doesn't do what the church is called to do, nobody's going to. Right. So we we are purposely purposely saying no to other things. Yeah, it, you talking about that reminds me of a conversation I recently had with an old friend, and he asked me the other. He knows I'm a pastor. He was here in town, and he he's a mountain bike trail builder. Hmm. Well, that's Let's cool. call him Chris because that's his name. <laughs> and so Chris is a sweet guy, and he 
lives in Santa Barbara, California, and he people hire him. He flies around the country uh, designing these trails so they drain right, so they're safe yet challenging. Hmm. Just That's cool. Yeah, interesting guy. So he said, so, you know, w- when are you going to build a trail around Omaha Bible Church? <laughs> he said, I drove by the property. And then it was, the next one was, uh, what, what is your church doing to get more people on bikes? <laughs> <laughs> and he's thinking about health. He's sure, not thinking yeah. uh, from a Christian worldview. He's just trying to be a good citizen yeah, and, yep. and helping people. And I said, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. I think I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I'm all about doing some of those things, yeah. helping people, but that's not what the local church is called to do. We're called right. to do something else. Yeah. So I do that with a different hat on other than Christian pastor church guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think he, he kind of got it. Maybe he kind of didn't. But, but he at least understood uh, yeah. where I was coming from. And I think lots of Christians don't understand that. Sure, yeah. Because we're trying, it's good to be good. Yeah. And so let's, as the church, do everything that's good. Right. And time and time again, we just end up looking like the theological liberals who don't believe the gospel's true anymore. That's why they do all of the other things. Right, yep. Um, whereas in, in history, Christians have tried to stay the, stay the course. Yeah. Let's focus on what we do or what we're called to do, because if we don't, no one else will. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't have, we don't want to have an identity crisis. Uh, we're not looking for new things to do. We're really trying to do the old thing. Uh, and even communion reminds us uh, what the old thing is. Yeah. And it's do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Uh, we do the things we do to remember Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer. So uh, I don't think we can overstate this. And if you're a pastor, uh, please don't grow weary in this. Please don't listen to all of the voices in your head or otherwise. Yeah. Um, focus on remembering Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul says, risen from the dead, offspring of David. It really is about him. Uh, maybe not everybody wants to hear that, but it's what they need to hear, even if it's not what they want to hear. Yeah, Faith comes by hearing. Yep. Uh, we're called to be a proclaiming, defending, gospel-defending ministry. Uh, it's what we're all about, as a matter of fact. Yep. And if your pastor does this, um, please buy him a pie. <laughs> it's sure to solve everything right and if you're just tuning in now you have no idea what we're talking about I have a pie. okay so but mike has a pie at his house and that's important i um, do that's super important for this episode specifically <laughs> did you buy that pie at a like church kind of function where nope. they had like no she okay. bought it the all right good good yeah. i'm glad <laughs> well hopefully you have a pie at your house as you're listening to the pactum <laughs> And we're thankful for our listeners. We're thankful you guys are a part of the Pactum verse, and you're listening to the Pactum. Uh, thankful for those of you who are reaching out to us here and there on email, on social media. Last I heard, we have more than several listeners. We have far more than several listeners. I don't really understand how all the metrics work, but what it looks like, there's all these little green blobs on the screen, and it looks like people listen. So I'm thankful for that. And we have more and more listeners. Yes, so we, we appreciate that as yep. the... Pactum verse continues to grow. We're grateful. We yeah. actually have some Pactum merch. We do have some. Maybe you want to talk merch. about the Pactum merch. That's yeah, coming if in. if you're listening to this church shopping episode and you want to do some shopping of your some own, merch from shopping, merch, some podcast some, Pactum yeah, shopping. We do have shirts available, and those are available online. You can order them there. Uh, if you're local and here at Omaha Bible Church, you can get them in our bookstore. But if you go to thepactum.org. And there's a link up at the top of the page. You can click. I think it says store, maybe. Uh, You can click there, and it'll take you to buy 
sweet Pactum shirts. And, and word and on the street you is, you heard it just here. I'm waiting for my doorbell to ring that the hats have arrived. Literally right now. I'm so just, if you hear a doorbell ring, it's because Mike is going to go talk to the UPS man. Yeah. The hats are almost U- here. UPS person. Yes, UPS person. And uh, hats will be up there hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So. And since we are all inclusive and want to serve all kinds of people, yep. I th- rumor has it we have trucker style hats and flat bills. And bill flat bills. Because, okay, so flat bills, that's not, I can't do it. I can't pull it off. <laughs> I'm not that cool. So I got the ones with some curved bill as well. <laughs> I think those will be the bigger sellers. We'll see. We'll see. But if you'd like to, you can check those out online, thepactum.org. Getting back to today's topic, church shopping. and It sounds like church chopping. Church chopping. Maybe, church some shopping. Ch- maybe if they're going to have their lampstand taken away, it's sort of like having the church chopped. <laughs> so church shopping. Church getting shopping. Getting back to that. Yes, yep, getting not back to shopping that. on the Pactum website. No, no, no. Church shopping. Okay. Thinking about essentials for churches and what are some of the priorities, not priorities. As you've been talking about some of those things, you mentioned at one point, uh, you know, the church doesn't have to be or shouldn't be good at certain things people are interested in. We shouldn't be about those things because there are organizations out there that are good at those things, that do emphasize those things, that are about those things. It made me think of our previous episode on natural law, episode 27. Oh, good. Um, Yep, there's the time. How does that relate to thinking about church shopping, what we're looking for in a church— those kinds of things. One reason that one thing that frees us up to not expect the church to meet all of our needs is the fact that we can look to other people, other organizations, other human beings to help meet those other needs that we have. Hmm. And this does tie into natural law because unbelievers do amazing and significant things yeah. and we can look to them to help us with amazing and significant things. Right, yeah. So we, 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 we can do that. We're free to do that. Sometimes Christians don't realize that because mm. they've taken verses out of context and somehow uh, we're called to you know, go hide in our holy huddle and mm. we go retreat. And so everything that we could ever experience or should experience has to, be, has to have Christian tied to it. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, in, in a sense, it, ca- it should be a Christian grocery store, though I yeah. don't think anybody does that, but yeah. take it to its extreme. Right. When... We're freed up when we have this lean biblical perspective and we have a proper understanding of people being made in God's image. Yes, there has been a fall, Mm -hmm. but the image is still there, though it's marred. And we can still look to people to help us with the other needs. And they don't have to be people who believe in justification by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. And so we function in this world. Uh, we don't love the world with its sin and evil, but we are definitely functioning in this world, which is different than fundamentalism, which is holy huddle, retreatism, uh, which is very, very different from reform theology, sure. uh, confessional Christianity, where you look to the church to be the church, but it's okay to look outside of the church for the other things right. that other people aren't giving God glory for, but you are giving God glory for those things. Right. Yeah. So that becomes significant uh, for us, and, and it's really freeing to enjoy the other things in life and to have needs met outside of the church. Yeah, Mike, I think this is something that plenty of Christians who come out of conservative, Bible-believing evangelicalism, i.e. maybe fundamentalism, have a struggle with. They have a hard time. Hmm. They're used to churches trying to meet as many of their needs as possible. Right treating the Bible as if it has answers to every question in life, mm-hmm. which we covered in the last episode. The Bible doesn't claim to have the answer to every 
question in life. Right. It sheds light on everything that we experience in life. Yeah. But once we have it clear in our minds um, that the Bible is very specific and focused upon Christ, it affects our entire life, but it doesn't answer all of the questions. Now we can let the church be the church. Yeah. And the church is here to preach Christ. Yeah. And then we can also let, let's call it the world. Let mm-hmm. the, and I don't mean that in a loaded theological right, sinful yeah. sense, but we can let the non-church be the, be the non-church yeah. yep. and we can appreciate both and function in both appropriately. Whereas otherwise we're going to try to make the church do everything that we would ever need. And now the church is not focused on what it's supposed to be focused on. And we have a mess. Yeah. And we really have a mess. Now we're trying to sanctify the unbelieving world so yeah. many times. And now we're trying to distract the believing world or yeah. d- to distract the church, if that makes any sense. And this gets, gets into what certain authors who've thought about this that I appreciate. They, they, they refer to uh, something called uh, cultural ghettos, hmm. which might sound strange to our listeners if they've never heard it or thought about it before. Sure. Uh, but by cultural ghetto, they mean this place where you have to be where everyone is just like you. Yeah. And you live in this world where you're only with people who are just like you in everything you can possibly do. Sure. So when I look up ghetto, it's used in a, in a super negative kind of sense. Uh, it says here in this definition I looked up, a part of a city, especially, especially a slum area occupied by a minority group, by a minority group or groups. That's not the idea right, yeah. that Christians, Christian authors have in mind. It's more another definition. It says put in or restrict to an isolated or segregated area or group. Right. So we Christians are going to go hide in our holy huddle, in other words. Yeah, yeah. And we have this kind of Christian ghetto. So we do Christian yoga and we do Christian financial planning and we do Christian pie making. <laughs> pie making. <laughs> uh, David Van Drunen is good about this in his book on living in God's two kingdoms, which we're fans of. Van Drunen says Christians are not summoned to withdraw into their own cultural ghettos. He says, it is important to note that Christians presently participate in the cultural activities of Babylon. Hmm. And he's drawing upon Jeremiah 29. He's drawing upon the book of first Peter, where we are strangers and aliens. So we, but, but as strangers and aliens, Israel functioned with unbelievers in non-spiritual things. Right. Yeah. He goes on to say that, um, as Abraham sojourned in the land, he did not set up his own cultural ghetto, but freely participated in his neighbor's cultural activities. Hmm. So for me, this is really helpful to think in terms of, okay, unbelievers can do good things, lowercase g, non-redemptive good. Right. But we can benefit from them. And when we see things in this way, then, again, we're not blurring worship. We're not blurring uh, what, what is holy and profane, if you will. But the church can be the church. And outside of the church can be the outside of the church. Right. And we can function in both realms for the glory of God uh, as believers. But that we need to be doing this. And we don't need to Christianize everything that's never meant to be Christianized. Right. So to maybe to circle back around... Let's put it this way. I'm not looking for the church to meet all of my needs, mm. even though I have a lot of needs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there are lots of things I need to know. There are lots of things that I need to learn. Yeah. Uh, but when I was trying to figure out how to recover my grass that I killed while I was only trying to kill my crabgrass, I killed all the grass. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't look up Third Timothy yeah, to figure right. out how thou shalt do crabgrass without killing your regular <laughs> you grass. killed it all. 
So what I do is I consult whoever yeah. because I'm dealing with Babylon. Right. And yeah. boy is... And boy, are my neighbors mad. (laughs) (laughs) Did you kill theirs too? No, but my yard looks so bad. (laughs) But there's not a biblical way to solve this problem um, other than new creation. (laughs) 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 There might be a biblical reason for it to happen, but there's not a biblical solution to it. And that's a ridiculous example, but maybe it kind of makes sense. But it's helpful. It's helpful to think through it in those terms. We could even think in terms of things that are a little bit more sacred to us and more important. We could think about marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and we want to have good marriages. And Christians are called to be certain kinds of men and women if they're married as spouses. But if we're honest, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it. Right. And so a lot of it ends up being common sense. Yes. And a lot of it ends up being practice, wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so... We we can look to those who are good at being wise, yeah. even by observing how relationships work, yep. which is why sometimes unbelievers seem to have better relationships than believers. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because sometimes the believer thinks that it's here, take two Bible verses and act like a jerk, yeah. uh, whereas an unbeliever might not know about the Bible verses, so they're not giving God glory and they're missing something for sure, but maybe they're good at making observations and therefore mm-hmm. being wise. Yeah. And how to talk to your spouse and the, and that sort of thing. The same right. could be true in business with your employer or employees, uh, bosses, siblings. Uh, a lot of it ends up being things the church doesn't have to address or we're not even called to address in specifics right? Yeah. because the Bible doesn't address these things in specifics. Right. There may be some overarching principles that we see in Scripture that can inform and help us in knowing how to handle certain situations or different relationships, but it doesn't get down to those brass tack individual you know, little nitty gritty details of those things. Yep. Yep. Great observation. So we're trying not to be the solution to everything. We're actually trying, I'm as a pastor, I'm trying to teach people about natural law and to say, please stop trying to get the church to solve all of your problems. Uh, We we can solve your greatest problem Yes, and we can help you to understand all of life in certain ways, but at the same time, you know, you might want to look somewhere else beyond the fundamentalism retreatist holy huddle, because that's how God has made the world. Yeah. Yeah. So Pat, let's maybe get a little practical and think about for our listeners, how is it that you go about finding a good local church? Because some people have no idea. In fact, I had no idea how to find a good local church when I first moved to Nashville, Tennessee, when we went to school there. The method by which you chose the church you went to was what famous person attends what church, and so Viva I Nash tell you, Vegas. When we, <laughs> I went to, it took months. You found the church where Stephen Curtis Chapman went. Well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. I knew where it was. You're so predictable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we didn't actually go there. But we cycled through. It was so funny when we first got to college. There was like this unspoken list of here's where everybody goes to the church, uh-huh. and you cycled through it. So it took at least three months or so. You go through all these churches just to see famous people. It was so ridiculous. Uh-huh. That's pretty funny. And since there may not be famous people in everybody's area that they live in. They need help finding a, lo- a good local church. That's so right. Maybe we get practical here. I, I've never shopped. For, I've never shopped for famous people at churches in Nashville. <laughs> Done it. But I have gone to the grocery store on Monday mornings and checked out the tour buses picking yep. up groceries. Oh yeah, because yep. they're getting ready to go they're out. Getting ready to go head out on, on the road. road. Yep. Yeah. But how Absolutely. do you how do you find a good local church? It's 
a lot easier to say than do, right? Yeah. Uh, we have people ask us all the time, hey, yeah. I'm moving to this city. Can you help me? I have a cousin who lives in this city. Can you mm-hmm. help? Yeah. And it's, it's no easy task. No. I wish it were as simple as saying, well, you know, a church is a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in a lot of ways, it should be that easy. Right. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is understandable. He's made himself clear in his word. So it, what I end up doing is I end up thinking in terms, I, I literally, I would do, do a, I tell people, do a Google search, start there. If, we, if I don't know anyone in that sure. town, I'm going to look for things like expository preaching. Yep. Yep. Um, because that's significant, because that is significant. I'm going to see, I'm going to look up confessional to see if they uh, affirm a historic Protestant confession, mm-hmm. um, a reformed confession, and then I'm going to dig in more from there. So I might look for reformed, but that could be loaded. There are reformed sure. Mormons. Yeah, and yep. there are people who say they're reformed who are theologically liberal, but I'm looking for expository preaching. I'm looking for reformed. I might look up Calvinistic, Calvinism, something like that, because it's somewhat synonymous, though not entirely. And then I'm eventually going to figure out, okay, do they do basic reformed things? Are there evidences of an affirmation of the reformed distinction between the law and the gospel? Mm, Yeah. So, and and I have to keep digging. What what do they have to say about just, since it's a hot topic, what do they have to say about justification? Right. Yeah. Is it faith plus faithfulness or is it actual genuinely sola fide? Mm. I might look, I might search solas. Uh, or sola fide, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Things like that can can get me moving. Sure, yeah. Now, there have been some church lists that have been out there that sometimes are somewhat yeah. helpful, yep. but other times uh, they're not that helpful. Yeah. So it, it's a tough one. And then another thing I like to tell people is, okay, if you're at, let's say, Omaha Bible Church and mm-hmm. you're going to go somewhere else, when you think you've found perhaps a good place because you've gone through this exercise, we'd be happy to help. And then maybe take our church's confession. Here's a copy and bring it to the pastor mm-hmm. and say, I'm wondering if this might be a good place for me. Uh, this is where I'm coming from. Sure. Yeah. Um, do you think this would be a good place for me? Yeah. And to be that deliberate uh, and forthright, because that would really be helpful to me. If yeah. someone had that uh, oh, to say to me, yeah. I would know where they were coming from. And I'm at a place in my life where if it wouldn't be a good place, mm-hmm. I probably can say, you know, you might want to check out this church or this church because it might actually be a better fit for you. Sure. Yep. So it's not rocket science, but it's it's not that easy of a task. Yeah. In addition, you might want to look up where the pastor, I always look up where the pastor went to seminary yep. or the pastors went to seminary, what their training has been. Mm-hmm. Doctrinal statement, confession, training, but I for sure am going to go a little deeper because plenty of people call themselves reformed, let's say, or they say I'm a Calvinist and yet they, they, they preach what we would call gospel yeah. and they're not clear on the distinction, uh, which is patently reformed and really important so that we don't get the gospel wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, I wish it was, I wish it were simpler than that. Yeah. It's sort of like when my kids say, dad, when kids at school ask me, you know, where I go to church or what kind of church you go to, um, 
what do I say? Yeah. Because their friends typically want them to say Lutheran yeah, yeah. or Catholic or something like that. And I typically tell my kids, well, you can at least start explaining the gospel. Mm. My church believes that yeah. no one is good and no one can earn their way to heaven. And so we need a perfect savior to live and die and raise, be raised for, for, for our salvation. Yeah. Well, that's not usually the, the answer right. the kids are looking for, right. but at least the gospel got out. Yeah, right. Yeah. So may, maybe the, I hope that's helpful to our listeners. I wish it were simpler than this. And, and even finding out where someone went to school doesn't really solve it for you. Right. Yeah. It's not always going to give you the easy answer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking for Christ-centered as well, but that does mean different things to different yeah. people. Yep, it does. Uh, another one might be redemptive historic. Sure. Yeah. Uh, redemptive historical preaching. Things like that are going to be helpful. Yeah. And it... it the process can take time. It's not going to be just a quick turnkey, boom, found it first Sunday, I'm here. It's true, great. true. I mean, yep, yep. And so there's a certain degree of patience uh, as you're maybe in a new area. But all moved. of these things, Mike, are theological. Yes. Really. I mean, we're looking for the marks of a true church. Right. The right preaching of the Word of God, the right administration of the sacraments, right. discipline. I mean, we're looking for basic things. And if a church really fails on any of these levels— uh, barring me being in a town of 30 people. Sure. But apart from that, if a church can't miss, can't hit these, then, then I, I've got to go somewhere else. Right. Yep. And so I, I, I mean, these are essentials. These, these are vital things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the list could go on regarding the doctrine of God, which is if you don't, if you don't have the doctrine of God, right, you're n- none of them. Expository preaching right. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So I, I do feel like we're being a little short sighted here, but, Oftentimes when they have these other things right, they are going to have the doctrine of God right. So I'm going to give myself a little slack. There you go. Mike, before we move on, there is one other thing that I see as kind of a negative sign, a negative red flag uh, when it comes to churches and looking for a church. And if a church is focused on this thing, uh, I tend to have my spidey senses up Hmm. uh, and it's a red flag for me. Mike, the mind reader, what do you think it is? I'm going to guess cultural transformation. (laughs) Uh, Amazing. It's fascinating. I just cannot believe how we have this (laughs) this pactum aura thing that happens through the airwaves, (laughs) through the pactum verse airwaves. Yeah. When when a church talks about cultural transformation, maybe they mean something just fine by that. Sure. Yeah. I do want the world to become a better place. Yeah. But when a church seeks to transform the culture, usually it means, in my opinion, they're wrongheaded on things. Mm. And so ultimately we're called to preach Christ, not to make Babylon uh, a warmer, more wonderful, better Babylon. Right. So now as an individual, as a human being, I'm all for making Babylon nicer. Yep. uh, But it's still Babylon. Yeah. We're not trying trying to Christianize Babylon. Yeah. And so I think the church wastes its wastes its time and energies when we're trying to do that as mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. And so that's a big red flag for me. And so it's not what I'm all about as a pastor of a local congregation, even though I participate in that uh, when I have a different hat on, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So I would look out for that. Uh, it's a big one. It's a trendy one. And it takes us back to our discussion uh, a long time ago when we did our marching with Machen series. Yeah. 
So again, when Christianity decided that the Bible wasn't true and that the miracles didn't happen like the resurrection, Christianity had to talk about something and had to do something. So they sought to transform the culture. Right. Yeah. Um, And they ended up doing not that. How about that? Yeah. So let's do what we're called to do. Uh, Let's not try to do what we were never called to do, even though we'll feel pressure from people to be doing those kinds of things. Sure. Mike, I hate to have us end on a negative because the Pactum verse is such a positive group of people and they just want to hear us be positive and <laughs> yep. we're positive people. Right. I'm, I'm positive about my positivity. <laughs> so, but we are going to end on a negative and then maybe we can positively tell people how they can get in touch with us yes, or, some, <laughs> or something like that. So let's talk about when we should be thinking about leaving a church and right. we don't just mean when we're getting a job transfer right? Yeah, uh, or needing to leave or something like that. When, when, if at all, is it good to leave a church? Yeah. Let's talk about that. What are your opening thoughts? Well, obviously, first, when you're moving, you may need to find a new church. Uh, if you have a job transfer or you need to move to another city, another area, another location where it's just not feasible to attend the current church you're at, that may be a situation or a circumstance where you're going to be looking for a new church. Yep. Uh, but then also when there's spiritual infidelity in the church that you're in. Ooh, I like the way you use that kind of label, spiritual infidelity. Yes, that would be a time you would need to find a new church. I like that because it makes me think of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I can't help myself but to think in terms of the church uh, and marriage. Yes. Yeah. Because the church is the bride of Christ, and it's spoken of in a marital kind of way. Mm. And so I do definitely think of my relationship, even with the local church, in a marital kind of way. Hmm. So it's serious. It's not to be taken lightly. It's, uh, there is a biblical basis for divorce, let's say, yeah. and, and remarriage. And so it can be done. It's some, and sometimes it needs to be done. Right. Yep. And yet it's not something that you want to do every third year. Yeah. You don't want to keep bouncing around. It's not a pattern. Yeah. So I think of churches that way. Uh, there comes a time when you need to separate and there comes a time when you need to leave, but it had better be because of infidelity. It yeah. had better be because of something severe, radical. Uh, they're not preaching sound doctrine. Yeah. Um, they're not affirming the once and for all delivered to the saints faith, yeah. according to the, as, as Jude says. So it would be for, for theological reasons. It would be for integrity reasons if for some reason there was some type of scandal with that wasn't being addressed and wasn't being dealt with right. um, yeah. may, maybe in in that sense the leaders aren't qualified and clearly are not qualified right. not based upon rumors or something like that sure so for me it it, it had better be serious otherwise um can you imagine can you imagine um getting a divorce every few years because I I just want to see what's out there. I want to see what's out there. Uh, Yeah. This isn't really doing it for me anymore. I'm going to move on to something else. It's not not meeting all of my needs or maybe there aren't enough people uh, who I feel like I'm in community with Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like this. Yeah. Let's have a biblical reason. Let's have a theological reason that is serious and robust because it's meant to be serious. It's a big deal. Yeah. So if you want to know what else is out there, let's get you to think about what else is out there as far as theology, learning, what other people believe. We've got classes that can help you, and any decent church does. But just because it's curiosity or you're kind of bored, uh, I can't imagine going home tonight telling my wife, you know, I I, I kind of want to – telling my wife, I kind of want to see what else is out there. (laughs) 
Yeah. We don't have a perfect relationship. Sometimes there are bumps in the road. Sometimes I do things my wife doesn't like and vice versa. You get the idea. It's common yeah. sense. Right. But it's a serious covenantal relationship. Yeah. And church membership is a serious covenantal relationship uh, not to be taken lightly mm-hmm. uh, or broken easily. So I wish Christians thought more in those terms. Yeah. Uh, it's really quite sad that Christians don't think more in those terms, but it's it's kind of where we are. So this reminds me of a friend of mine who was a longtime church member and decided to take his family and leave and go somewhere else, not because of spiritual infidelity or some kind of scandal or something like that, uh, but he told me that he hoped that he and his family would come back one day. Hmm. And he looked at me like I was crazy um, when I said, I, I, I hope you don't. Uh, because I don't want him to keep doing this. Yeah. I want him to find a good biblical church if he's leaving this local congregation and attach himself. And apart from some serious reason to leave, I would want him to stay there and mm. deal with it through thick and thin. Yeah. It's one of the reasons, even on a Sunday morning, when I see saints who've uh, walked with the Lord for a long time and we've been through a lot together, uh, it literally sometimes brings tears to my eyes because I think I love that person. Mm. I, I, I know they have faults, and by now I know some of them, yeah. and they yeah. know I have faults, and by now they know some of them. Yeah. But to have been together uh, working out problems, working through issues, uh, promoting and defending the gospel is a wonderful, great thing. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to get to the end of my life and have my, myself surrounded by those kind of people yeah. where we've been through that together. Because the church is important, the church is a big deal, and the local church is uh, no less of a big deal. Well, Pat, so we've talked about everything in this episode from ghettos to, to pies to, to church, church discipline, discipline to expository preaching, all sorts of things. We probably should land the plane. Yeah, we've talked about church shopping and stuff, and we're thankful for and you. Stuff, our, and things. stuff and things. We're thankful for you, our listeners, and we want to remind you that you can be in touch with us if you'd like to be. You can email us at connect at thepactum.org. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at The Pactum or on Instagram, The Pactum Theology. Thanks so much for listening. We're thankful for all of you. Hope you can join us next time on The Pactum. 